I love to eat. I love all kinds of different foods. I love trying foods that I have never tried before. Uh, there are actually very few foods that I don't like to eat, and so that's a challenge to you. If anybody wants to try to get me to eat something, I would be happy to, to try it. Um, I, 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 love, I, I love eating home-cooked food, yeah. Um, so in this, this sermon series that we're going through this fall, uh, using the acronym BLESS, when I see that that middle letter, E, stands for EAT TOGETHER, I get pretty excited. Um, I mean, eating can be a way to bless other people? Sign me up. Um, well, we are we're looking at, at this, this series uh, this fall, this acronym BLESS. It stands for five practical ways to bless people in our lives. And we're focusing specifically about how to bless people in our lives who are not yet believers in Jesus, people who might be far from God, but how can we love them to bless them, not trying to convert anyone or trying to fix people, but, but just to love and to bless people and see what God might do with that. And so two weeks ago, we started with that first letter in BLESS, B, which stands for Begin with Prayer. Uh, we, we begin by praying for God's direction in how he wants us to bless people, rather than just relying on our own ideas of, of how we think people should be blessed. But we, we want to connect to what God has for them. Uh, we also begin by praying for those people. So as we begin to sense that, you know, God might be calling me to love this person, the first thing we do is we start praying for them, praying regularly for God to work in their life and for God to help us to, to love them. Last Sunday, we looked at the next letter, L, which stands for listen with care. Uh, and so as God leads us to certain people, we, we don't just start talking at them, start preaching at them, but instead we look for opportunities first to listen to them, uh, to listen to, to understand their story and, and what's, what's going on in their lives so that we can be able to speak God's truth into that. Uh, we talked about how listening itself can actually be a way to love and bless someone in a culture that is full of just people screaming at each other and where we're so distracted. Um, listening, just spending time paying attention to someone can be a real blessing. And, and as we listen, we also begin to gain a better understanding of how to bless them. Um, again, not thinking about just our ideas, but as we listen, how, God, how are you wanting me to bless this person? Um, and then we also talked last week about even how we might begin to get a sense of how God is already at work in their life, that God is already maybe drawing them in certain ways. And as we listen, we get a sense of how we can join in what God's already doing, rather than trying to just for something ourselves. Well, today, again, as I mentioned, we turn to that E, which, which stands for eat together. And we're going to look today at how eating with people who don't yet know Jesus could be another way to bless them, to be another part of, of blessing people in our lives, the people that we're praying for, the people that we're listening to. How could eating together be a part of that blessing? Now, the text we're going to be looking at to focus on this is from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. Uh, so I invite you to um, follow along in the Bibles and the pews. Your Bibles or we'll have the verses on the screen here. So Matthew chapter 9, beginning with verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher 
eat with tax collectors and sinners. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears uh, to hear your, your word today, Lord. We thank you that your word is powerful, is living and active, and, and the word that has just been proclaimed, God, we pray that you, uh, your Holy Spirit would apply it to our lives, God, would teach us from your word of how you are calling us uh, to eat in a way that's in line with your mission, Lord, of reaching this world with the gospel. And so uh, give us ears to hear now and, uh, and attentive hearts in Jesus' name, amen. Now, for some of you, when you heard that, that my message today was about eating, uh, you might have thought that's kind of a strange topic for a Sunday morning message. Uh, I mean, prayer, listening, serving, sharing, the, all those other four letters in bless, they sure sound a lot more spiritual, don't they? Um, why would eating be included in a sermon series about blessing people who don't know Jesus? Well, for one thing, eating permeates our lives. Uh, most people eat three meals a day, not to mention snacks and coffee breaks and desserts and, you know, all kinds of... We're, we're constantly eating, right, in different ways. And we spend time preparing what we're going to eat. We spend time cleaning up um, when, we're, when we're done. And so if we are thinking about possible settings where we could bless people in our lives, you know, situations in our day-to-day -day lives where we could actually be a blessing to someone, why not consider something like eating, which everyone does multiple times a day, every single day, right? There are all kinds of opportunities in our daily lives to think about how can we eat in a way that could actually be involved in blessing someone. But another reason that we're talking about eating today is because the Bible actually has a lot to say about eating. Uh, eating sort of come, kind of comes throughout the scriptures. And, and then when we look at Jesus' ministry in particular, Jesus was often doing ministry in the context of eating, in the context of sharing a meal with people. Uh, we see a great example of that in our text today. Jesus sees a, a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth, and he calls him to follow him. And what does Jesus do next? He says, follow me. He doesn't send him to a Bible study. He doesn't send him to the local synagogue. Go and he says, I'm going to come over to your house and eat dinner with you, Matthew. He goes over to Matthew's house to eat with him. And verse 10 says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. So at Matthew's house, Jesus ends up eating not just with him, but with this whole other group of people with a group of tax collectors and sinners. Now, tax collectors in that day were hated in that society. Not much has changed necessarily, maybe. We don't really love tax people today, the IRS. Um, but in particular, back then, tax collectors, they worked for the Roman Empire, which was the oppressive occupying force that was viewed as the enemy of Israel and actually the enemy of God. And so, People did not like tax collectors. In addition to this, tax collectors were also typically greedy and corrupt. They would collect more than what people actually owed in order to skim money off the top for themselves. And so 
People did not like spending time with tax collectors. The term sinners here that, that, that uh, we, we find in our text, in this context, was actually a specific term. Um, it's not just talking about sinners in a general sense, but, but it was talking specifically about people who were often considered particularly grievous sinners, like criminals, prostitutes, disreputable people, people who are sort of put in this category as, as these are people that are just sort of distasteful and, and, and we don't want to spend time with them, these sinners. And so Jesus, as he goes over to Matthew's house, he sits down to eat with who? Tax collectors and sinners. This group of lying, cheating, disloyal, greedy, immoral people. As we look at this example of Jesus eating with people who are far from God, I want us to see how this text might show us why eating together with people in our lives who are not yet believers in Christ, could actually be a powerful way to bless them. So let's start by looking at how eating together can bless others. How is it that eating would be a blessing? Well, the first way that eating can be a blessing is that it shows that you value them. Eating with someone shows that you value that person. Now, we see this in particular in, in, the, in the context of our text today, in Jesus' day, eating with someone was filled with meaning. It meant that you embraced them, that you valued that person. It was a sign of hospitality and friendship. And so again, when Jesus is eating with this group of people, it meant that he was embracing and valuing them. He was reaching out in love and friendship to them. Now, from what I just described about how tax collectors and sinners were viewed in that society, you can probably guess that generally people didn't want to eat with tax collectors or sinners because eating, again, meant that there was an openness, there was an acceptance, there was an embrace. And so people didn't want to eat with this group of people. In fact, in verse 11 of our text, we see that a group of religious leaders, the Pharisees, go to Jesus' disciples and they ask why Jesus is eating with them. The Pharisees, they prided themselves in keeping God's law and they often would create even additional rules outside of that to kind of fence around the law. And so they were bothered by the fact that Jesus, who was a religious teacher, he was a rabbi, would choose to associate with these people who clearly were breaking God's law. Jesus, how could you eat with them? Tax collectors and sinners, they were used to being devalued. They were used to being treated as second-class citizens. They knew that the religious establishment didn't like them. And so when Jesus chose to eat with them, that was surprising. And that was powerful. Because Jesus, in choosing to associate with them, was showing that he valued them. That he didn't write them off. But that he was actually spending time with them. This act of eating together was a tangible act of blessing toward them. Now, eating in our culture doesn't have quite the same level of significance as it did in Jesus' day, but eating with someone today can still be a meaningful act. And I think that actually in our culture, eating with someone can also be a way to show that you value them. And one of the reasons for that is because eating together with people has actually become more and more rare in our culture. Um, in a 2014 uh, article in The Atlantic, that was titled, The Importance of Eating Together, the author cites a few statistics that show 
how eating with other people has become less and less common in the U.S. Um, he writes that the average American eats one out of five meals in their car. And one in four Americans eat at least one fast food meal every day. Um, he also writes that the majority of American families report eating just a single meal together less than five days a week. When I was in my mid-twenties, there was about a year and a half when I was single, I wasn't married yet, um, I was living in Astoria, Queens, and I was working in Lower Manhattan at a nonprofit. And my typical day was to grab something for breakfast on the go, usually a bagel and coffee, um, and then I would get to work and I would eat my lunch at my desk at work, and then I would typically order takeout for dinner and eat alone in my apartment watching something on TV. I didn't eat with anybody typically on most, most days. And I don't think that's an incredibly uncommon reality for a lot of people, especially here in New York, because we are, are so busy doing things that we, that eating just sort of becomes this, this secondary thing that we, that we, you know, we, we try to just kind of get through, we have to eat. So here's the thing, when you actually do sit down with someone and you share a meal together, and it's a meal that you're not just kind of rushing through to just get through it, but actually you're spending time talking with one another, getting to know them, that can be a significant way to bless them because it can be very rare. It's a way that you, you show them that you value them. And not to mention that, that actually I think because it's so rare that when we do that, we are blessed as well when we're sitting down with someone. So eating together, it shows that you value the other person. Another way that I think it can be a blessing is that it helps build a relationship with them. That actually the act of eating is a way to grow in relationship with people. Eating together offers this opportunity for conversation, uh, for what we talked about last week. Listening. Where do you listen to people? If you sit down and eat a meal with them, there's a great opportunity there to, to listen. Um, and also just for building a relationship. When, um, when I was serving as an associate pastor in Fullerton, California, uh, one of my primary roles was leading the youth group in that church. And one of the ways that I tried to get to know the youth was to eat with them. So I hosted a small group at my house once a week, and that always included eating pizza. Now, of course, the pizza there was nowhere close to being as good as it is here in Brooklyn, but you got to work with what you got, you know? So we would eat the pizza in California. Um, but also, there was this, this, there's a, a fast food chain out in California called In-N-Out. Maybe some of you have, have had it. Um, and I love In-N-Out, especially when I was out there. And so I would often hang out with the youth while enjoying their delicious burgers and milkshakes. And then I would go on a long bike ride with some of the youth to burn off all those calories that I had just eaten by eating the burger and shakes. But it was amazing how eating with those teenagers opened up opportunities to really get to know them. That, that actually just spending time sitting down, hanging out over pizza at In-N-Out, they began to share more of their lives. And I got to hear their struggles and their hopes. And a lot of those youth, they never would have shared any of that in our weekly youth group meetings at church. But sitting over a meal together created a space to actually build a relationship. As we think about 
how to bless the friends, coworkers, neighbors in our lives who are not followers of Jesus, eating with them can be a great way to do that. And so as we show hospitality and grow in our relationship with them by spending time together, and, and as we listen to their stories, while also continuing to pray, pray for them and pray for opportunities for God's leading, God can open up some amazing opportunities to do what we're going to be talking about the next two weeks, which is to serve in love and to share our story. We're only going to be able to serve in love well if we've built a relationship, if we've listened. We're only going to be able to share our story and, and actually maybe be listened to if, if we have first heard their story, if we've built a relationship there. But I want to just be honest here. We don't always do this, do we? We don't always spend a lot of time eating with one another. There can be a lot of things that prevent us from doing this, um, from eating together with, with, with friends, neighbors um, around us. And so I want to look at barriers to eating together. What are some of the things that get in the way of this? I think one of the biggest barriers to doing this for many of us is that we feel we're too busy. Like I described earlier, many people eat meals while they're driving, or eat lunch while you're working, or even skip meals altogether, because we're just so busy. The pace of life in our world is so fast, so busy, that we begin to just think of eating as sort of an unnecessary evil, something we have to do. Um, but we try to do it basically in the quickest, cheapest, and least intrusive way possible, so we can get back to more important things, like being productive, or being entertained. If you have young kids, for the, the, the parents out there, you might feel like you are too busy just taking care of your kids or juggling school activities, bringing kids to this or that, than to think about inviting someone over to your house for dinner. I mean, it just seems like, man, it's, it's, it's just, you're too busy. I know there's times where I feel like that in my own life. Another barrier to eating together is that it might feel outside our comfort zone. How is your next door neighbor going to react if you invite them over to dinner? We can worry about that, right? How are they going to respond to that? That feels a little bit awkward, right, to, to do something like that. Uh, would they feel uncomfortable? You're pretty sure that you would feel uncomfortable. Would, what would you talk about if you did eat with this, this person that, you know, maybe you're sort of an acquaintance, but what, what would you even talk about if you ate together? Or, or maybe you feel insecure or nervous about inviting someone into your home. Uh, you're not sure what kind of food they might like. And you know what? There's all kinds of excuses and, and things that we worry about that relate to the fact that eating together can be outside of our comfort zone. Now, I can give you a lot of practical responses to these barriers. Uh, I mean, I could remind you that you need to eat anyway, and so why not use some of those meals as a way to build relationships with people, right? You gotta eat anyway, so why not think about how to use that in a more intentional way? Are you really too busy to have one or two meals a week with people that you're seeking to bless? Or if you don't feel comfortable inviting someone into your house, eat out, right? If you don't like to cook, order in, right? There's, there's all kinds of like practical reasons that we can say, okay, actually, that, that might answer this, this barrier. If you're not sure what to talk about, start by asking them about their family or about their childhood. You know, most people would feel flattered that you want to know more about them, just wanting to know a little bit about their story, their history. 
All these practical suggestions, they can be helpful, but they don't get to the root of the problem that I think is what actually often keeps us from doing this, which is a lack of love and motivation. That if we're really honest with ourselves, the truth is that if we were really filled with a deep love and concern for the people in our lives who don't know Jesus, these barriers, they really wouldn't be an issue. If we really felt that deep love and concern. I mean, most of us are busy, but we all make time for things that we really value, don't we? We make time in our busy schedules for the things that we actually care about. Yes, it may be outside of our comfort zone, but we're willing to do uncomfortable things if we know that it's going to benefit someone that we really care about. Maybe a family member, right? We're willing to put ourselves outside of our comfort zone. And so the fact that we don't do that with many people in our lives, I think it reveals something about our hearts. These barriers that we often give often are just excuses that we make when deep down many of us do not have a deep love and concern for people in our lives who are far from God. And so we're not motivated to go out of our way to bless them, to eat with them. And I'm sorry to break it to you, but we see an example of that in our text today. And it's in the example of the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they did not have love for the tax collectors and sinners. When Jesus said in verse 12, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, the Pharisees in their minds were thinking, he's talking about those people who are sick. But Jesus actually, in bringing that up with them, was was actually confronting them with the fact that the Pharisees themselves were also sick that they were not healthy. In verse 13, Jesus tells them, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Here, Jesus is quoting from the prophet Hosea. And Hosea was speaking to the people of Israel at a time when they were offering sacrifices and they were going through all the religious motions, but they were not showing mercy to the poor, to the marginalized, to people like these tax collectors and sinners. And so Jesus says, Pharisees, you have to go learn. Those of you who say that you're so great at studying the Bible, go and learn what Hosea was actually talking about back there. He was talking about God doesn't desire sacrifice. He desires mercy. He desires us to love. You see, through the the Pharisees' attitude, it was showing that, that they were just as sick as the tax collectors and sinners. They weren't the righteous even though they thought that they were, they, they were sinners to themselves. And as long as we show a lack of love to people in our lives, we are just as spiritually sick as those Pharisees. Now, this leads to the final point that I want to talk about today. I'm not going to leave you in that place, but, I want to, but a way to enter into that, this, this last point is just, what is our motivation for eating together? So what would actually motivate us to move past those excuses, to step out of our comfort zone, to make room in our busy schedules? What would give us a genuine love for people in our lives who don't know Jesus so that we actually want to eat with them? That motivation, it's not going to come from ourselves. We can't just will ourselves to do better. 
No, our motivation for eating together will only come from God. And it will come from what he has done for us. And here's the amazing thing. Although we often fail to love people in our lives, although we can be just as spiritually sick as the Pharisees as we've just been talking about, here's the truth. Jesus has invited us to eat with him. Jesus has invited us to eat with him. The Pharisees, they were shocked when Jesus chose to eat with these tax collectors and sinners. But you know what? It would have been just as shocking for Jesus to invite you and me to eat with him if we were back there in that day. Because we too are sinners. We are the ones who have also broken God's law. We are the ones who have failed to love our neighbors the way we should. And we don't deserve to be at the same table as the perfect, spotless Son of God. In fact, no one deserves that. And yet Jesus invites us to his table. Just as he invited his imperfect, fearful, self-centered disciples to a meal, to the Last Supper. Before Jesus was crucified on the cross, he shared what? A meal. A meal with his disciples. A meal with these guys who were about to turn their back on Jesus and flee for their own safety, for their own comfort. But as Jesus sat down with, with these disciples, these imperfect sinners, he offered them bread to eat. And he said, this is my body given for you. And the next day, his body was going to be nailed to a cross as he paid for their sin and our sin and our law-breaking and our lack of love. And then Jesus gave them a cup saying, this is my blood shed for you. And the next day, his blood was going to drip from the crown of thorns on his head. And it was going to ooze out of the nail prints in his hands and his feet. His blood was going to pour out of his side after he was pierced by the spear of a Roman guard. And that blood would cover their sin and cover our sin, our law-breaking, our lack of love. In communion, which we're going to partake of in, in just a bit, we get to hear those same words to us. This is my body for you. This is my blood for you. And we are reminded of what Jesus did on the cross for us as we receive his gifts to us, his forgiveness and salvation and his very presence with us. And once we recognize that Jesus has been merciful to us by inviting us to eat with him and receive his forgiveness, we're going to want to share that, show that same mercy and love to the people around us. What will motivate us to eat with people who are far from God when we realize that Jesus wants to eat with everyone? That he wants everyone to eat with him, which means that we eat with people in order to point them to Jesus. Jesus wants everyone to receive the gift of eating with him in communion. He wants everyone to be a part of that great wedding feast of the Lamb that he talks about in the book of Revelation. He wants everyone to believe in him and to be saved. How is that going to happen? How are people in our world going to believe and, and be invited into this, this meal with Jesus when we 
who have been invited to Jesus' table, invite them to come with us. When we invite them and reach out to those who are far away, invite them to our tables with the hope that we could introduce them to Jesus so that one day they too will maybe be able to join us at the Lord's table, receiving the gifts that he wants to give them to. And one day we'll be able to feast together in his heavenly banquet with him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who is willing to come to us, that you have not required us to come to you, but that you have come to us, that you came to us in Jesus, and that Jesus, you came into our world to do everything necessary to bring us back to yourself, to to the Father, that you invited those disciples to come and eat with you. You invited tax collectors and sinners to come and eat with you. You did that because you wanted them to taste your goodness and your forgiveness. You wanted them to taste grace. Lord, we thank you that you have reached out to us in grace. We who are just as broken and sick and sinful as anyone. And we pray that as we recognize that, how gracious you are to invite us to your table that you would send us out to eat with the people in our lives, to be agents of yours, to welcome them to, to our tables, to introduce them to you, so they too might one day eat with you at your meal, at your great banquet. We look forward to that day, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.